Okay, well, before we begin, I would just like to state for the record that today is February 20th, 2023. My name is Ben Bauman, and I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana, speaking via phone with Cleo Duncan, who is located in Greensburg, Indiana, and we are doing an interview for the Indiana Legislative Oral History Initiative. So just starting off, when and where were you born? I was born uh, in Gary, Indiana in, uh, on July 26th, 1941. <clears throat> okay, and uh, what were your parents' names? Um, Peter and Frida Raptakis, R-A-P-T-A-K-I-S. Hmm, okay, and when did your family first move to Indiana? Uh, well, I don't, I'm trying to think. My, uh, my mother was born here in Indiana. Okay. And my father immigrated from Greece. Interesting. Okay. Wow. And um, let's see. What were your parents? She was born. She was born in 1919. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. That's interesting. And so, did you learn any Greek growing up? That was my first language. Oh wow. Okay. So that's that's really cool. Nice. Um, what were your parents' occupations? Uh, my father owned uh, a restaurant. Or he, well, he didn't when he started out, but he ended up owning a restaurant and then a tavern. Okay, cool. When he had the restaurant, he worked seven days a week, and we never saw him. And so he and my uncle decided to... Um, open a tavern instead, and at that time, Indiana uh, taverns were closed on Sundays, and so we had uh, one day, you know, with him all day, and uh, we'd do family things, uh, and uh, which some included going to Chicago to the museums and, and to uh, different places there, and uh, because Gary's so close to Chicago. Right. And, um, but we, but the main thing was we had dad home a day. Yeah. A day. So, yeah. That's interesting. Okay. And, uh, so did you have... My mother, my mother was a homemaker, although she did help, uh, with some of the cooking in the, uh, uh, tavern. Okay. Did you have any siblings? I have a brother, and he is three years younger than I am, and he lives in Florida. <clears throat> oh, okay. Interesting. Um, so how would you describe your childhood growing up then? Um, well, we had a... We lived with my grandparents. That's another thing. Uh, and... Um, we had a very close family, and uh, just, uh, I don't know, we, we had a, we were very fortunate. We had an intact family, and and uh, we didn't have much, but we didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I went to um, Horace Mann High School in Gary. And um, um, 
it was uh, a pretty good percent of the kids that graduated from there went on to college. Yeah, okay. Um, let's see. What did you know about your family's political views growing up? Um, I'm trying to think. Well, my father uh, was very devoted to this country. He, he was a naturalized citizen, and uh, he just was so grateful to be here. And so it uh, instilled a very um, big, uh, it had a very big impact on, on me and my mother also. Uh, uh, both were just very proud to be Americans and uh, appreciated our country. Yeah. Okay. And so that kind of <laughs> went down to me. Sure, and, sure. Uh, yeah. All right, cool. Um, now, what schools did you attend growing up? Uh, let's see. I did not go to kindergarten. Okay. But uh, first grade was in Gary Emerson. No, yeah, Gary Emerson. But then we moved to uh, a different district, and I went to Horace Mann uh, Jefferson Elementary School and then to Horace Mann High School in Gary. Okay. And uh, how would you describe your educational experiences? Uh, I think very good. Yeah, okay. I, uh, let's see, after that I went to Ball State and got my undergraduate work there and then did my graduate work at Purdue. And what was your uh, major at Ball State? Um, let's see, English, political science, and journalism. Oh, wow, okay. And then uh, graduate work was in counseling and guidance and in English. Okay. Um, and so... You know, when you're growing up in Indiana and you go to high school and college, you know, did you have a particular uh, view of Indiana growing up? Did you kind of understand Indiana's place in the United States and, and sort of the culture of it compared to other places? Or, Well, when you grow up in Gary, yeah. <laughs> you think that you're part of Chicago. Sure, okay, yeah. But... Uh, when I went to Ball State, it was, you know, a, a pretty uh, enlightening experience as to what Indiana uh, is, mm -hmm. you know, outside of that one little corner of the state. So, yeah. Uh, it was a, a, a very good, enlightening, broadening experience. Okay. What were your goals after you graduated from college? Um, I uh, went into teaching and uh, went back to Gary. I taught for a year, and then I had an opportunity to take a job with Xerox Corporation in uh, public relations. And so I, it was a customer rep um, position, and uh, I 
worked there for a year, but the idea of making people happy with their copiers as opposed to helping kids find their way just didn't cut it for me. Yeah. So I quit and went back to teaching. I taught in an all-black uh, junior high, both, and I had requested to go back to the junior high there uh, when I went back. And um, actually, two of the Jacksons were students of mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, it was, uh, this is before, it started out before they were discovered. And so um, our homeroom would have pitch-in dinners, and um, we would have the kids come and perform and we'd go to their house and help load up the instruments and and they would come to the school and perform for free but the family was grateful that um, they would get a good meal yeah that was the first year the second year they had joined the musicians union so they were starting on their way and uh they still performed for free, but they counted us as a practice. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they were very nice kids. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting, uh, yeah, historical, I guess, uh, situation to be in where you're connect, connected to the Jackson family, obviously. Um, <laughs> but who knew that they would become yeah. so huge? But, yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, so, uh, when did you end up getting married? In 1966. Okay. And do you have any children? Yes, we have three girls. We have um, Beth. Uh, she was born uh, July 4th, 1968. Uh, Vicki. Uh, September 14th in 1970, and Mary, January 30th in 1973. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Um, so, when did you become more seriously involved in politics then? That, well, I'll I'll go back here. Uh, indicate I've I've always been very active in the community. I I think that comes from my mom and dad, you know, feeling so grateful and wanting to give what they could. And uh, I uh, I had been active in the community, and we had had some uh, deaths and permanent injuries of kids uh, using alcohol and getting into cars. And so I became more involved in providing positive alternatives for the kids. And uh, one, one year we had a uh, student council exchange day of all three high schools in Decatur County. And the kids uh, 
were discouraged because there wasn't anybody in public office who was an advocate for them. And so that day, without having a clue about anything, I went to the courthouse and signed up to run for city council. I had no clue about political protocol or anything. I didn't ask anybody anything. I just thought, well, anybody who wants to run for office can. Yeah. So I did and um, was elected. Um, but I have to tell you, my, I'm, I'm Republican, mm-hmm. but my, uh, my opponent in the fall election was uh, a dear friend, and I had introduced him to his wife. Okay. <laughs> and uh, on election night, um, on election night, we had dinner together. He went to his headquarters, I went to mine. <laughs> <laughs> and then got together after the vote was in and just wow. hugged it out, you know. But that was how I felt about politics or about government. I guess I'm not so much a politician as I am a public servant. Okay. Um, and uh, so, anyhow, I got on to city council. And um, and there I was. Um, I saw things happening at the state level that I thought should be changed or done differently. And after a lot of prayer and uh, urging, uh, I ran for a state representative and was elected and served. 16 years and then uh, retired and but I'm still active in uh, different uh, organizations uh, trying to help people so yeah that's interesting okay Um, and so you know, what kind of shaped your political outlook at that time when you were, you know, running for office and stuff? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I guess I'm, uh, I'm, I'm conservative, but I'm, I tend to lean more to moderate conservative. Okay. Um, and I... Every bill, with the exception of one, that I sponsored was bipartisan. I felt that I, what I did, I wanted it to be for everybody. Yeah. So. Okay, cool. Um, did you have any national political heroes or anything? Um, yes. Uh, I, I certainly liked Ronald Reagan. Um, I, I uh, uh, loved Richard Luger. He was a statesman, and he worked with both sides of, politi- of the political aisle, which I think if we're going to get anything done, 
it's very difficult to to get anything done if you don't have more than a little bit of uh, support. Sure. I was the first woman to chair transportation in the house. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, And during that time, I was co-author of uh, Major Moves, which was the only bill I sponsored that was not bipartisan. But with Major Moves, uh, we were able to lease, lease, not sell, but lease the Indiana Toll Road, which was a big drain and uh, difficult to keep up. And uh, we leased it for $3.8 billion in cash up front. That moved Indiana into a AAA bond rating, which allows us to this day to do business much more cheaply than other states that don't have that rating. Um, In that agreement uh, with the consortium that uh, won the bid for the lease, um, it included building at their expense, all of this is at their expense, a police headquarters for the toll road, uh, paying for the police officers who would be there patrolling and their benefits and their vehicles and for keeping up the uh, tollway. That was their responsibility totally. So I was there the day uh, when the cash was uh, transferred from uh, there to Indiana, to our state. I pressed a button and there was, we got notice that $600 million had just been transferred to Indiana. We had several, it didn't come all from one place, you know. Yeah. But it was quite a day. And uh, again, uh, the, it was a lease, not, not selling. How can you sell your road? You can't sell the road. (laughs) You can't pick it up and move it. (laughs) Anyway, um, and let's see, I was also active in uh, the Women's Caucus. We would meet uh, once a month during session, and we would uh, agree both sides of the aisle, both houses, on issues that we felt were important that we could agree on, and we could all uh, encourage our caucuses to move forward on. And uh, we also raised money for non-traditional women students so that they could continue their educations. This would be like single moms, uh, uh, people who had maybe stayed home to 
raise their kids and then wanted to go back to school and uh, that kind of thing. So um, the women worked together, both sides of the aisle, both houses. I don't know what it's like now. I haven't been in, uh, in the house since 2010. Um, but uh, we, I think we did some pretty good things. Yeah, sounds like there's a lot going on when you serve. Yeah. Um, I was on the Autism Commission when uh, when we first started out. Indiana provided the least, one of the least amounts of help for uh, people with autism and their families. And little by little, uh, Indiana became very good at... Uh, providing help for those uh, in need and to get a little bit of respite for their caregivers. Um, so that, um, and I'm trying to think what else. I know there's a lot of things that in, in the time I was in that I, um, that I worked on. Uh, one of the biggest things for me was helping people who called and needed help. Um, I remember there was a gentleman who needed surgery and was tied up with the red tape. And uh, I, I was able to uh, uh, work with the, uh, the agencies and able to get him the help that he needed to get surgery. And uh, I know that that prolonged his life for several years. But things like that all the time uh, made, made serving such a blessing. I, um, I had over 300 um, town meetings when I was in office, I started out having them at the libraries, and nobody would show up. Hmm, okay. <laughs> and so I went where they were having coffee <laughs> and eating lunch. And so uh, that's where I ended up uh, having the meetings. And uh, I'm sure at first they go, is she nuts? <laughs> <laughs> but then they got so used to my coming, they just looked forward to being there and uh, learning what was going on at the state house and letting me know what was going on with them so that I could do a better job uh, in representing them. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um... But that was important to me. How am I going to represent people if I'm not there and listening to what they have to say? And I mean, in person. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of an important part of the job if you're a legislator, I guess. Yeah. I just, um, I never took it for granted. Yeah. Even when I didn't have an opponent in the next election, yeah. I just always felt that that wasn't, it didn't matter. I needed to be there for the 
people I represent. Sure. Um, so when you first ran for the Indiana General Assembly, did you have any particular campaign strategy at all? Um, well, I went everywhere I could. I, I went everywhere I could, and I yeah, was in every parade I could be in. But uh, I just uh, went door to door for sure. Uh, and met a lot of people, and that was wonderful because some, of course, some people would say, okay, thanks, bye, but other people would invite me into their homes and we'd sit there and talk, and that was a, a wonderful experience. So Sure. Uh, but I think that just keeping close to the people and, and understanding what concerns they had and, and uh, what they thought was right and not and uh, I guess just being in contact with them. Oh, I gotta tell you <laughs> this one time I was in Switzerland County that's on the Ohio River that was part of the uh, part of our district at the time and uh, they were having this uh, kind of festival on the, on the river and there were different groups representing theirs and uh, I went to this one table nice people we were talking and they were asking me questions about what I thought about anything and and uh, they were the Tri-County Country Club. And I said, oh, okay, and tell me about your organization. And they said to me, oh, yeah, well, we're a nudist colony. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, I, I wish you well. And uh, actually, when I'd have town meetings in Switzerland County in Vivi, they would come dressed, yeah. they would come, and they were the most kind, gentle people you would ever, ever want to meet. Yeah. But uh, I think they told, when they told me they were nudists, I think they were waiting for uh, my reaction. Sure. But I said, oh, well, yeah. okay, <laughs> very good. Yep. <laughs> so, and uh, but anyway, it, but uh, I uh, I knew that nobody knew me, especially in Switzerland County. It was far, uh, the farthest south from the district. Uh, I asked permission to go to their grocery store outside their grocery store. It was the ITA. On Fridays, the people would a lot of people would come down there to do their weekly grocery shopping. Set up a card table and had cards with my name on it, and I would sit there and uh, go up and shake hands with people, give them a card, and tell them who I was, and would ask for their support. And I, I told them that I was honest and hardworking, and I would do my best 
to represent them. Hmm. So, yeah, I think I was not real conventional in the in what I did, but but it was okay for me. Yeah, sure. So. Uh, what did you think of the election process when you were running, and you know what was your reaction when you found out that you won? Disbelief. Yeah. <laughs> really, I uh, because the gentleman who had the office before me had been in office for twenty some years, twenty four years or so, and um, I had no idea that. I, I would be elected, but I was, and uh, I never took it for granted. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Um, what were you thinking when you walked into the State House for your first day in office? Awe. <laughs> I was in awe. I thinking that here I am in the people's house, uh, ready to do business for them. Yeah. And did you have any particular expectations for the legislative process, or was it kind of what you expected? Um, I, uh, at the very beginning, well, you got to understand, my first term, I was the number one target for <laughs> the Democrats mm. <laughs> because I had I was I had defeated a long time uh, member of their caucus, and uh, and so I was their number one target. But uh, and at the time, Pat Bauer. Uh, was a Speaker of the House, and uh, I remember him saying, well, Cleo, have a good weekend. And I said, well, thank you, Pat, you too. And I got home, and he had sent out these poison <laughs> uh, uh, press releases. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, she's anti-senior citizen. She's anti-this, and <laughs> it was... And I went back the next uh, Monday, and I said, Pat, you stinker. <laughs> and he laughed, and uh, that was kind of, uh, after that, kind of broke the ice some. Yeah. So anyhow. Wow, okay, so it went after you right away, I guess. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But that's okay. It worked out. It worked out just fine. Yeah. And, and, Pat Bauer is short. Well, I'm short. We had a short people's caucus. Okay. And so, even though we were on different sides of the fence, we really did have a nice relationship, uh, you know, a pleasant relationship. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and honestly, I worked well with both sides of the aisle. Uh, 
I just never thought that that uh, one side was the bad guys and one side was the good guys. I, I think in our own way, we were all there trying to work for the people that we represented. We had philosophical differences, but that didn't mean that one side was bad and one side was good. It just meant that we had differences and, and we could still be friends, but still have different philosophies. Sure, yeah. So, and that's, that was it. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so how did you learn sort of the ins and outs of state politics then when you're in the General Assembly? Did you like have any political mentors or anything that kind of helped uh, you understand more about the process and the dynamics there as a politician? Or yeah, I think uh, I think when I was first elected, uh, let me think. Paul Manweiler was speaker, uh, and they bent over backwards to try to help me ease into the process and. Uh, uh, and then uh, Brian Bosma was um, very kind uh, and very helpful to me. Um, also, other legislators that had been there for a while were just um, helpful to me if I had a question about something that I could ask them. And um, also, I learned that... Um, uh, that really <clears throat> uh, the lobbying community um, I learned about lobbyists who were good and trustworthy and ones that weren't so much Okay. <laughs> and uh, I also learned with the good ones they would give you both sides of the issue you know, they would tell their their side, but they'd also tell you the opposite side as well. So that that helped me make up my mind on on some uh, issues. But they were always uh, knowledgeable about both sides, which I think was helpful. Um, but also, with our legislators who had been there for a while. Um, helped me get a feel for the history of the uh, legislature, but also uh, helped me see that, you know, things needed to be changed uh, for, I hope, the better. Sure. Uh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, in the uh, Outside of the what was going on at the state house um, at the time, Decatur County had one and a half uh, exits from I seventy four. We needed two full interchanges, and every morning, the governor and the head of Indot <clears throat> would get a letter from me requesting a full interchange at 
high 74 in the Greensburg exit. Every every morning, every Monday morning, they got that letter from me. Then um, Honda, Honda became uh, an issue, and uh, at the time, uh, they were having trouble getting uh, uh, people to uh, sell property. They didn't know. The first of all, the people didn't know what was going on because it wasn't made public. And uh, I remember some of the landowners uh, came to me. They said, "Cleo, we want to know, you know, what you." know and what you think and I said well I said um, they were afraid it was going to be a landfill or something and I said it is not going to be something that is going to um, devalue your property and it is something that probably will create many opportunities uh, for uh, not only you and your family, but uh, many people in the area. Um, it is not something that will, um, uh, you know, de uh, devalue uh, what you have. Right. So we got together and uh, tried to reconfigure uh, what property Honda was looking at and uh, had, had some of the property owners there too and tried to figure the amount of property they needed. And again, at this time, nobody knew it was Honda. Um, with uh, reconfiguring with possibly farmers who would be willing to sell. So we worked with um, uh, the attorneys in Indy that were representing Honda. And uh, I said, you know, uh, I see the tracks there, the railroad tracks, but the way we're looking at the possibility of reconfiguring, uh, those would need to be moved and said, no problem, no problem. And so we came up with the amount of property that would be needed with landowners who were willing to sell, knowing that it would not be something that was detrimental to the value of land and would be something of big value to the area. And so that's how the property, we got enough property for Honda to uh, select Greensburg and uh, that's what happened. Yeah. And then the morning that the morning that uh, Honda was going to announce publicly, the head of our uh, 
head of my in-dot called me and said, Cleo, you're getting your interchange. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, interesting, yeah. Now, what was the first bill that you sponsored? Do you remember? Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. I can't remember. That's okay. I should have... I should have it. I, I have it with everybody's signature on it. I know yeah. it was something about procedure. Oh, okay. It was kind of innocuous, but it had to do with procedure. And I think they just wanted me to have a bill. Okay, sure. <laughs> but it wasn't any meaningful anything. It was just kind of a, yeah, just a, just something to have as my first bill. Yeah. Um, so what was the atmosphere like when you served between Democrats and Republicans? Um, I think it was very, um, uh, honestly, pretty pleasant. Um, I, I don't think it was... Oh, you might have had some of them that were contentious, you know, with each other. But mostly, everybody got along. Even though you had uh, philosophical differences, uh, we got along. And you knew that, uh, you know, despite your differences, these were decent people. Yeah. And that's how I've lived my life, really. <laughs> no. Um, now, what about the differences between the House and Senate? How, how different were those two legislative bodies when you served? Well, I wasn't in the Senate, so I, but they are much more formal. Okay. And uh, prim and proper. We had more fun in the house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, how influential would you say party leadership was to sort of determining what legislation would get passed? majority of the legislation that gets passed every year in the House is something that is doesn't get publicity and it's good for everybody. That's the vast majority of, of the legislation. The things that get the publicity are the more contentious issues. And depending on what party is in, um, in the majority, um, those issues get more traction, you know, on one side or uh, than the other. Okay. Sure. But uh, see, the 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 stuff that you get the publicity is the juicy stuff, you know, that's going to sell papers and make make people watch TV. Uh, they won't care about the things that. Well, maybe sometimes about the things that help everybody. 
Yeah, okay. Because then everybody's okay with it. Well, that's no fun. Right. That's not going to sell papers or, or get people to tune in. No. True. <laughs> but honestly, the vast majority of the stuff that goes through is everybody's okay with. Yeah. Now, did you ever go against party leadership? Yes. And so, like, what were the circumstances around that? I'm just um, thinking uh, if it was something that I had trouble with um, agreeing to, and uh, I, I made it, I made it my point to let leadership know. If it were, if we were in control, if the Republicans were in control, and it was an issue that I did not agree with, that I, it's not like it would be the chef's surprise. Leadership knew that I could not agree to that issue. Okay. I didn't. I didn't try to be sneaky about anything. I, right. I tried to be upfront about stuff, and and if it was an issue that. I had trouble with, uh, I would let them know. Sure. Just tell them where I stood. Now, were there any consequences ever for doing that, or? Not for me. No. Because I always explained what my thoughts were, and um, I didn't, I didn't, uh, no, not really, actually. Huh. I wonder why that happened. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh-uh. Okay. So, um, let's see. Thinking of, of some more stuff about your service, how did your service affect your family life? Was it hard on your to be away from your family and stuff for the General Assembly? or? Um, let's see. When I first was elected, um, I'm trying to think, I think all our kids were out of school, oh, out okay. of high school. So that, uh, so I got kind of a late start in my uh, public service. I think if I had lived in Indianapolis, like uh, some of the legislators did, you know, they could run home for lunch and they could, you know, they right. could have, but, um, uh, not and uh, my husband was a trooper. He, uh, uh, you know, he. I was uh, in. I'm trying to think. I was in Indianapolis Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We got Fridays off. We had new um, a long weekend off, but. Um, during time, I commuted. Um, I could have stayed up there, and I did. Uh, I stayed up there when it was bad weather or if we had a long session, then I would stay up there. But uh, usually, I drove back and forth, and uh, it was. Uh, I didn't mind it at all because it was a time that I could just clear my head. Yeah. And it also kept me 
grounded. I didn't, um, I, I just uh, had my, uh, I had my self. Uh, I all, yeah, I always knew where my base was. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, my, my husband said, but you said, home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, I still do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you served the General Assembly for, you know, a, a fairly long time. How influential would you say uh, the redistricting process was? <laughs> well... When I was first elected, the district was drawn so that my opponent was, um, uh, it was favorable for my opponent. Okay. Um, but then after I was elected, um, I still served in that same district, but um, was elected by uh, a wider margin every year. And then when um, when redistricting, this is so weird, when redistricting came, um, the district became even more Republican. Uh, it took away some of my area on the Ohio River and uh, moved me up into Rush County, which is very Republican. But you know who did that? The Democrats. That's interesting. It wasn't the Republicans that moved me into a, a more Republican district. And afterwards, they, they came up to me and said, we love you, Cleo, and we want you to be there forever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's crazy. I know, but it's because I, I worked with everybody. Yeah. And I tried to be fair with everybody. Okay. So I guess you were not one of the people they were trying to get rid of then. <laughs> no. No. And when I decided to retire, I had no opponent. Wow. Okay. I, I, so, but that was my choice because I, I had seen people who had, stayed too long and by the time they decided it was time they were physically unable to enjoy their retirement and enjoy doing things with their families and um, sure and I felt at that point I I thought that I had done some really good things for us and that it was time to allow somebody else uh, to have the opportunity to serve. So yeah, makes sense. Now I'm I'm uh, going into uh, being president of the retired Indiana Public Employees Association. Oh wow! We've got uh, about forty-five or fifty thousand members statewide, and I'm trying to help uh, 
the retired public employees. It's not just state, but it would be like cafeteria workers, highway workers. Sure. Um, uh, just everyone who has been in a public office, no matter what the level, whether it be local, county, state, federal, no, well, not federal, Indiana. Anyway, trying to help them. Uh, and uh, and I also help locally. Uh, I'm in the Agape Center, uh, and we try to, it's an organization that is, uh, was founded by the churches. And we are funded by churches and individuals because we have uh, in our bylaws, it says uh, helping people through Christ's love. And by having that as our mission statement, we don't qualify for grants from like United Fund or, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but we try to help people maintain uh, their independence uh, if they've fallen on hard times, uh, trying to help them <clears throat> uh, get through the, those times and, and uh, uh, get to where they can help themselves in that. So anyhow. Yeah, okay. It just, I, I can't stop trying to help people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'm sure people appreciate that, so. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, from your experience in the General Assembly, is there anything that you'd want to change about the legislative process? Oh, my gosh. As it was when I was there, not, not too much. Um. I don't know what it's like now. I, I'm not sure that the camaraderie is there that was there when I was serving. Okay. Uh, just knowing that there are good people on both sides of the fence, you know? Sure. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I can't tell you about now because I'm not there, but... Right. Uh, even though, you know, we were out there arguing about, you know, things uh, uh, that we had differences and we still got along well as people. Yeah. And some of them. Okay. So do you kind of get the impression then that today it might be a bit more polarized than when you served? Probably, okay. yes. I really do. What would you say were the most controversial legislative issues when you served? Well, the bill that I sponsored, or that I co-authored, uh, Major Moves, became political, and, it's, and it shouldn't have been. But the Democrats tried to sell it as we were selling the toll road. We were selling the toll road. We weren't selling the toll road. We leased it. Okay. But, and that was... but. But they were trying to use it as a political tool, and it wasn't. It was, uh, and as it turned out, it has 
made such an impact on our state's ability to do business. To this day, it, it's been tremendously helpful. And I think, uh, 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 I'm trying to think what other things, maybe union issues, yeah, union issues as opposed to non-union issues. Uh, that's probably one area that uh, you've got the two sides on. Okay. Uh, other, other things, not so much. Yeah, okay, interesting. Um, let's see, so I noticed, you know, when you served at the time, there were some things going on, I noticed, from the newspapers. Um, so I guess there's a, a, a split house session when you served in 96? Oh, uh, yeah, you, it was 50-50. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, so what was that like? Was, uh <laughs> Actually, it wasn't bad. Yeah, okay. It, it, uh, because you got people working together. If, otherwise, nothing will get done. Sure. So, uh, it, it was not bad. That must have been a, a pretty unique situation to see. Yeah. Yes, it was. It was. But uh, I think it worked out well because both of the, the, the co-speakers were friends. Yeah. <laughs> and so, really, I thought it wasn't so different than when Hank Martin and I were on opposite sides of the fence when we ran for city council. Mm -hmm. Because we were friends. So, uh, I don't know that it was uh, so different for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see, do you remember anything about uh, slow down, move over legislation? Yes. Can you talk about what that was? Because I saw it pop up in the newspapers. and. Yes. Um, I had a state trooper in my district who um, was assisting a stranded motorist. And uh, this truck Dover hit and killed him. Oh my gosh. Uh, I, I uh, that day, I uh, came home early and went to the sheriff's office and got the information and then uh, uh, went to the, of course, the, the calling. And there was his widow and their baby. Yeah. Um, one of his uh, officers asked, is there anything we can do to make things uh, safer for the police officers. And I authored the bill, the move, or, move over, slow down bill. And uh, it uh, went through both houses. 
Um, and what it was is uh, on a four-lane highway or more, if there are flashing lights, emergency vehicles on the side of the road, if you can do it safely, you must move over one lane. If you cannot do it safely, then slow down. At the time, before this happened, there was a game that truckers would play. Uh, it was uh, getting close enough to the state troopers where the wind from their trucks would blow their hats off. That was a very dangerous game. Yikes, okay. Uh, well, after my bill went through, uh, that no longer happens. Um, Indiana was the first state to pass this law, and now it is law in all 50 states. Wow. Yeah. I forgot to tell you about that. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's why I asked, because I remember reading about it, and I thought, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. Let's, let's see what you have to say about it, so. Um, it is, um, we'll never know for sure how many lives have been saved. But I know that it is quite a few. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's see, another, I guess, a piece of legislation that I saw pop up was about, like, safe haven. Yes. And so, um, yeah. The, uh, the baby boxes. Mm-hmm. Is that? Um, regardless of how you stand on the... Uh, pro-life or pro-choice, the baby boxes are an option for anybody, anybody who has uh, a child and cannot provide, <clears throat> a baby cannot provide for that child to be able to give it um, no questions asked. Uh, and uh, be able to have that child adopted by families that would love to give a loving home to uh, a child. Sure. Um, uh, I guess that kind of started, too, with, I remember this one, um, this one baby was uh, left outside a hospital. And it was uh, a very cold night, and it was dressed in a, a pink sleeper. And uh, I'm sure the mother thought that somebody would hear it crying and take it inside. And nobody did. And it was found the next day with frozen tears. Yikes. Jeez. So, to be able to uh, give someone no questions asked the opportunity, and it's not just safe haven boxes. A person can give the baby to a nurse. Okay. To a doctor, to a fireman, to a police officer, to uh, 
any uh, health caregiver, no questions asked. But before the safe haven boxes, some of the police officers didn't quite get it, and they um, uh, they tried to. Uh, they didn't understand that they were to accept the child, no questions asked. But um, with the safe haven boxes, also uh, the identity of the mother is not known. Okay. And that uh, that gives the person protection there from, I guess, perceived shame. Okay. And. Uh, uh, we've got quite a few safe haven boxes in Indiana now. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess they're at uh, police stations and what, fire stations and... Fire stations, primarily. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ours here in Decatur County, we have a bench near the safe haven box that if the mother wants to sit there and think about things for a while mm, okay time to just um, think things over yeah but anyhow yeah um let's see uh, i guess the other piece of legislation that i saw in the newspaper was also was something about kelly's law yes oh yeah uh, where the family has the right to address the uh, perpetrator in court. Okay. Um, we had to work on that, uh, getting the language right, because uh, it couldn't happen before the, de- the jury had uh, rendered their decision. But then to uh, give the families a chance to look at the, the guilty person and address them in court. And so that uh, was Kelly's law. Okay, yeah. Uh, because before that, uh, they weren't given a chance to say anything in public about their loss and what this person had done to to their families. And this at least gave them a chance before the judge, you know, uh, uh, the trial is over, for them to at least, after the decision was given, so that this would in no way influence the jury's decision. Yeah. Okay. give the families a chance in public to uh, make their uh, statement. Sure. Um, let's see then. Uh, looking now sort of at some big picture reflective questions regarding your career, um, why did you eventually decide to leave the General Assembly? Um. I guess I saw other legislators who uh, had stayed uh, longer than uh, 
physically they should have. And by the time they decided it was their time to retire, it was kind of late to be able to appreciate your family and, and to uh, be able to do things, at least in my view. Yeah. Um, I remember there was one female legislator when I told her that I was not going to seek re-election. She said, you can't do that. We need you here. We can't do that. I said, well, <laughs> but for me it's time, and I, I want to have the, the uh, flexibility so that if we want to travel or if we want to, to do different things that we'll be able to. And uh, that same legislator the next year was on oxygen full-time. And then by the time uh, they could, uh, the legislature could honor her and and uh, wish her well, she had passed away. And uh, I will never regret uh, uh, deciding to uh, retire when I did. Yeah, makes sense. But that doesn't mean that I'm not still helping people. I'm doing things in the community, and now with the retired public employees, right? I'm at the state level too. So, uh, but but still, uh, I've been blessed with uh, with meeting wonderful people in my district, but also wonderful people at the state level too. Yeah, okay. So? Um, so how would you summarize your time as a state legislator then overall? Um, being a public servant was a big blessing to me. I'm not a real good politician, but I am a pretty good public servant. Yeah. Um, I see good in both sides of people, and you work you work with people to try to uh, bring the best. Sure. Uh, did you learn any lessons from your experiences serving? but also the Senate side for um, uh, your uh, legislation to pass. Um, being able to um, uh, reach common ground on some things. Yeah. Did you have any uh, regrets as a legislator? that I had hoped to get through, but 
it it wasn't going to happen in my time okay there. Um, but it was uh, the uh, breathalyzer bill if someone was a habitual drunk driver that they'd have to have a uh, device put on their vehicles that uh, they'd have to take a breathalyzer before their car would start oh wow <laughs> but uh, that did not say was your proudest moment as a legislator? Makes sense. That's fine. Um, let's see. Last few questions here for you. Uh, what advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators? Uh, I think it's important uh, to have good relationships with both sides of the political fence. Of course, you're going to have differences in your um, philosophies. Otherwise, <laughs> why would you be one thing or, or another? But to be able to appreciate each other, and uh, regardless of uh, your political differences, to understand that in the long run, you're both trying to do the best job you can within your own uh, philosophy. Yeah. Um, what, in your opinion, is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly? Uh, 
This is, uh, of course, the budget. Yeah. Is the number one issue in this upcoming election. The budget will be the number one. To be able to provide uh, for uh, enough uh, resources for uh, our health, safety, um, well-being, education, uh, being able to uh, uh, help uh, provide uh, for uh, our, our children's education, that's our future. Um, but again, the budget will have uh, a huge impact. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, what would you say the public does not know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it operates? <laughs> the wheeling and dealing <laughs> of trying to get something in, like as a not wheeling and dealing, like you know, uh, just trying to get a uh, an amendment into a bill uh, so that. Uh, uh, something can be done to uh, either make it better. Uh, 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 sometimes uh, have, I can't say wheeling and dealing, but I, I would say to uh, try to get your uh, bill, even if it didn't uh, get passed as a bill in itself, to be an amendment uh. to to a, uh, another bill, but um, I, I don't know if there's much that the public doesn't know. Uh, I think really the media ha uh, does a pretty good job of, although, you know, this is something that was interesting. Um, I would read something in the paper, in the Star, about why something got done and or not done. And I think to myself, well, that's not what happened. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and that's not why it happened. And it gave me a greater appreciation for my little hometown paper <laughs> when you have the statewide paper who doesn't quite get it right. And they're supposed to be the hot shots. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> maybe to take uh, uh, to take maybe to read something and try to get as much as you can out of it, but to also understand that it could be slanted. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't know the, the nitty-gritty and just made an assumption, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, how do you think the state of Indiana has changed over the course of your lifetime? Oh, boy. Um, of course, we have uh, become... Although in my area, my area is 
rural, it's agricultural, but the effect of industry in in our area, in our state, has uh, increased tremendously. Uh, I, of course, I was born and raised in Gary, where uh, the lifeblood of of uh, that area is the steel industry. Yeah. But uh, you got out of Gary, and it was agricultural almost entirely. But through the years, you've you've seen the automotive industry, and even the uh, agricultural industry, the you know the equipment and and the science of of the uh, of agriculture has changed so much. Um, but I would say probably to see that uh, we've seen an increase in in. Uh, in our industries, but by the same token now, the plants that you see being constructed and and um, redone are much more uh, friendly to the environment than they were when the steel mills first got built in Gary. Yeah. I think they're much more environmentally friendly. Uh, yeah, our universities. Oh my, they've uh, they've blossomed. You know, more, uh, just so much more being offered. So many. You know, when I was going to school, my professors would say, "You know, uh, you're going to school, but uh, who knows what jobs will be when you graduate." They may not even be created yet, mm. and sure, sure enough, and here we are in an age where our uh, our uh, universities are looking to provide prepare people for what may come in the future, not just what is, but yeah. what may come. That's true. And so that kind of a an attitude, I think, is just. Uh, really quite uh, astounding. By the way, when I graduated from college, a woman could uh, be either a teacher, a nurse, or a secretary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But uh, uh, it's been quite an interesting uh, evolution. Sure, yeah. To now, you know, what... I mean, both ways. Think about all the male nurses we have, and they're great. Yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, uh, and the female doctors. Yeah, so that's right. It's you know, everything has changed. Everything, but it's it's not a bad change. It's it's kind of a an interesting and a good change. And uh, uh, certainly, we've had uh, big issues with drugs and when I was growing up drugs weren't even an issue Mm. well it's a different world now yeah things change yep do you have a tattoo no I do not do you (laughs) (laughs) no No, but one of my daughters does oh okay yeah yeah it's becoming more common (laughs) 
but uh, you know, it's 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 different now. But yet, people are still the same. Yeah. You look for good in people, you'll find it. Sure. So that's true. <laughs> um, let's see. Final question then: uh, What do you want the people of Indiana to know about their influence on the General Assembly? Well, as far as I was concerned, it was an enormous influence. Um, when people called me uh, and they had an issue or, or a, a personal problem they needed help with, that um, was part of my job, was to serve them and to, to remember that uh, a state representative it's exactly that. It's a you're representing the people who voted for you. When you stop realizing or or uh, working in that regard, it's time for somebody else to come in. Yeah. You you are a representative, and if you ever forget it. And you have no business in the General Assembly. Yeah, that's a good point. So how about that? <laughs> well, um, is there anything that I didn't ask about that you wanted to mention at all? or? My gosh. Uh, just to, I hope that, uh, you know, sometimes... Uh, if you get elected to a, a position, just remember, people voted for you. And those people can unvote for you, too. Yeah. If you're not doing the job that they want you to do. True. And to remember, just to always remember who who made it possible for you to serve. And never forget them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's good advice. Well, um, that's all the questions I have. So thank you so much for, for doing this and uh, taking part in this project. Oh, sure.